Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we give you thanks for being in the house of God, being able to be amongst the people of God, hearing the word of God from the man of God. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that your word would be a light unto our path, that we are washed by your word, that your word is the good seed planted in good hearts that give forth good fruit and a harvest of glorious salvation for all that receive and obey your word. We give you thanks for this month of pastor appreciation. A lot of people think it weird that we might value and esteem that which you value and esteem. So we pray, O oh God, that your word would be a double-edged sword, that it would penetrate the depth of our being and allow us to choose the spirit rather than the flesh, that we might be spiritually minded and not earthly minded, that you might transform us, that we might meditate on these things and that we might be like a tree planted next to the rivers of water whose leaf will not wither and whose fruit shall remain and everything we do shall have success and prosperity to it for this is your desire lord that we fill the earth with your glory we are your people we are your families our children are your descendants oh god mighty upon the land wealth and riches shall be in their homes because they abide under the shadow of the most high god we glorify you we thank you for this day that you've made for us to rejoice and be glad. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. We've been talking about pastor appreciation this month, and what we're talking about is uh, an understanding of leadership, that God has placed people in our lives. Um, as we were, uh, if you missed Wednesday's night's message, please get a hold of it uh, with all your capacities because there's provisions there to make you uh, truly understand the nature of God in these days. Um, it was phenomenal to us to hear in Judges chapter 1, verse 1. Um, remember that the people of God come out of the desert following Moses and then Joshua and uh, they start moving towards the land of promise and now Joshua dies. So it's a, a very devastating thing. When Moses died, who's going to lead us on the road? And then Moses signals Joshua. He says, you're the man that God has chosen to lead the people. And now Joshua is dead. And remember that these people were not really following anybody voluntarily. They were slaves in Egypt. Slaves, captive servants doing the pharaoh's bidding they they were under harsh rule as slaves in egypt for 400 years they didn't even know how to move on their own and when they come out of egypt god gives them the ten commandments we said how crazy this is that god has to tell them thou shall not kill thou shall not steal thou shall not take your neighbor's wife or his possessions um, so all these 
Ten Commandments he was giving his people to line them up. And then they were so lined up after Moses and after Joshua that it says, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass, say with me, the children of Israel asked. These were not an asking people. They were savages up until this point. They didn't even want to follow Moses. You remember that? Moses, who are you that we have to follow you? They didn't understand leadership. They didn't understand the concept of being God's people. But now they're being instructed and they're being discipled. And these bunch of savages now are trained warriors to go and take the land that flows with milk and honey. There is um, seven nations and 32 kings. It's just a bunch of savages in the land they have to remove and they understand this concept i hope that you were in the world long enough without knowing the difference between your head and your tail that now you're coming closer to the things of god and you have a regenerate opposite is the degenerate mind a mind that doesn't understand you're understanding now that who they ask god they ask the lord saying who shall be the first to go up against the Canaanites to fight against them? They understand that the God of heaven has order. They're willing now to say, okay, we know enough now that if we follow the person that you choose to go ahead, we're going to obtain victory. That was a great place for amen, but that's fine. Uh, we're dealing with that now. Uh, listen to me. We're never going to get the world to come and understand these things if you don't know them by heart and if you don't understand them. They actually ask God, who can we follow so that we can see your reality? Verse 2. And the Lord says, Judah shall go up first. Indeed, I have delivered, I will give you victory, deliver the land into his hand. These two verses in the book of Judges shows us a little bit about what we need so that we might experience victory against our enemies. That God has an order. Do you know some people that like to disrupt the order of God and the children and say, why do we have to follow our parents? Because God has established that if our parents go into the land against the enemies and you follow them, you're going to obtain victory in your life. And if you decide not to follow God's lead, there will be deep darkness in your life. When I went up to visit Christina in Washington, D.C., we sat on her birthday night having dinner with seven of her friends. And one of them asked him, Pastor, I have a question for you. And I said, yes, young man, speak. He says, we're living in a time of so much advanced technology that our parents don't even know how to get on Google or YouTube. They don't know how to surf the web. And so we've become smarter than our parents. Why do we have to listen to them? Isn't that a trap? Hasn't the devil been so shrewd and astute to make our children think, that the wisdom that be, is being offered up through 
I don't know what they call it, super technology or something like that. That, that technology would replace your parents and now you're to parent your parent because they can't get into the internet? And I said, sir, with all due respect, there's a concept called honor. And when you honor your parents, God will prosper you. And obedience. And it doesn't matter how advanced technology gets, that if you replace honor and obedience for intellect and earthly wisdom, you shall not prosper a single day in your life. I said, I walked into the Apple store and I went to the genius bar to talk to a geek, I think. I think I'm crossing things there. I think Best Buy has the geeks and Apple store has the genius bar. But anyways, I said, you guys could put a rocket on the moon, but you can't do family. You could put a, a rocket into space and travel the universe, but you cannot do marriage. Because you have not learned honor. Because you have not learned obey the word of God. Because it's not the ways of this world that cause you to prosper. It's the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is that you do life God's way. And that's called sacred. You can say it so you practice sacred. The things set apart for those who fear the Lord and walk in the wisdom of God. And not to be wise in their own eyes. Every time in the book of Judges a leader died, the Bible says because there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Say with me, chaos and confusion. Nowadays in America, we have Nancy Pelosi. Woo! Glory. We have Chuck Schumer in New York. We have Ocasio in Congress. We have all manner of men and women who think they know more than God. And they've decided not to do sacred. They've decided to do secular. What is secular? To live this life without acknowledgement of the spiritual. To live this life without the acknowledgement of God. The person who came up with the word secularize humanity was a man who says he was an atheist. And he knew people didn't like the word atheist, which means against God or absent God. So he says, let's do another word so that we can do life without God and people will not be offended. We'll call it secular. And secular means to do everyday life as if God was not involved. Try and find out different aspects of life and withdraw the knowledge of God Withdraw the existence of the spiritual and relate to the worldly, the temporal, and the things absent spiritual rules or laws. The principle of seeking to conduct human affairs based on natural considerations. This defines everyone who doesn't read the Bible, everyone who doesn't pray, everyone who doesn't go to church, who thinks they don't need a pastor. They don't need to be part of the people of God. They call it secular existence. Not secular like round, but with an S. S-E-C-U-L-A-R, secular. And it's called secularism. And it means try to get people to live life just by what you see in the natural. Don't include God. 
don't include God's word, don't include the involvement of spiritual concerns. This is an attack on God's way of life here upon the earth. And it creates all manner. If you walk in secular mindset, you're what's called a humanist. A humanist is a man who will subtract God from defining anything in his life. Any thought, any word, anything you do that does not have the consideration of God and his word and his people becomes a humanist existence. Somebody said once, it's like having the king's laws, trying to find out the king's laws without the king's involvement. You want the prosperity of God, but you want to take God away from the equation. That makes you a fool. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I think it's Psalm uh, 14 verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. When you want to live life as a secularist, that's a, ver a word you have to know nowadays because it's all over the place. Secularism, they're trying to get us to believe God did not create the world. That God did not create you, you that God doesn't have a plan for your life. That there is no will of God. That you do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, and don't consider God in any of your ways. The fool has said, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done things that are abominable. There is no one who does good when you walk without the knowledge of God. One of the biggest difference in my life was the day I welcomed God. I accepted God in my life and became... I almost instantly, God began to define everything in my life according to his balance and measure. Seeing God from his vantage point according to the filter of God's word allows you to live different than other people. And so at the very start, my scenario, who lived without the fear of God, without the consideration of God, God spoke to me, honor your mother and father. Without God, there was no need to do that. But when God says in Ephesians 6, chapter 1, honor your mother and father so that everything will go well with you. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. This is the right measure. I, I started to see, I said, okay, Lord, then everything that's coming out of my parents' mouth is the will of God for my life. All the youth should have said amen right there. That you start understanding you're not to be secularized, believing that your parents are just a disturbance in your life. But they're the nexus. And God showed me my parents as antennas of communication to know his will. And I began to listen to them. Verse 2 says, For this is the first commandment. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment that has promise. And I said, yeah, but I hate my dad. I can't stand him. And God told, said, your dad could be a horrible man, but you could be a great son. He could be a bad dad, but you could be a good son. So start listening to him, even though you don't like what he's saying. 
And that was a big struggle for my life. And I said, well, how come? What if I don't? Then he told me verse three, which is so that everything will go well with you, that it might be well with you and you might live a long life. I said, what's the, what if I don't? He says, you're going to live a short life and things are not going to go well with you. So he convinced me. I started listening to my parents and obeying and honoring them and giving them a place of deference. And there it became a transition of trying to find out what God said about everything in my life and have his measure. Uh, people like to pick a villain. They pick the pastor because he speaks the word of God. But the truth of the matter is, forget the pastor. Your issue is with the word of God. He told Samuel, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. The, the, the line that God draws between the sacred and the secular, we already said it last week. He's given us godly leaders to deliver us from our enemies. He raised up. This is Judges 2.16. Every time they fell into a normal secular existence, they were into idolatry and sexual immorality, serving foreign gods. They would go into captivity they would go into distress. Nevertheless, God raised up leaders. He raised up these men and women who delivered them out of the hand of their plunder. Those who plundered them. Those who stripped them. Those who stole from them the peace and prosperity the Lord had for them. And so this is God's cycle. We said it last week. He lifts up leaders to be able to establish our deliverance. So if they were asking in Judges chapter 1 verse 1, who will you send ahead of us that will fight the battles in this land? That's a wise scenario. Always find who you're following because that's going to determine your victory. They asked the Lord, who shall be first? There has to be a deference. This whole thing, let me tell you, this is very, this is very important. Secularism makes you not define anything for better value. They say everything is the same. Sacred are those things separated and holy unto the Lord. There's a distinction between common man and one God chooses to lead his people. If you don't understand that, you're still lost. That God definitely makes a distinction between children and parents. And if your children are saying, you have an opinion, except you don't know how to get into the internet. And I have an opinion and could tap into a world of wisdom and intellect. And you say, listen, you better listen to me, buddy, because God's on my side. God's on parents' side. Why? Because he chose it like that. And that would make you to be sacred in your walk if you distinguish the speech of your parents and put it above your own opinion. God has set things in place called one thing sacred and called other things common. And devil wants you to disregard what God calls sacred and to consider all things the same. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says that God has determined by him all things were created, 
the things that are in heaven and those that are on the earth, the things that are visible, the things that are invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Now, I want to tell the secular humanist, where do you stand now, buddy? The God who created all things has determined some things holy and some things common. Some things ordinary and some things that have God's special attention on them and relate to him. So it's really important that we would see these things. The admonition in Colossians 2.8, the same book, that Paul is writing to the Colossians. They were they had a mix and a they had a mix and a mingle of all spiritual things that could exist in this city of Colossal, where everybody was serving different things and speaking different things, and everything came to be the same. They all roads lead to Rome concept of spirituality. That's not right. He says, "Beware." That means be attentive, lest anyone cheat you. That you're sitting there living in a manner that the secularists called now because you guys have disregarded God and the fear of God and the spiritual laws and the word of God and the man of God and the house of God. Now you're living like you're supposed to. God divorced from all things. And he says, don't let no one cheat you through philosophy, through empty deceit, according to the traditions of humanists secularist men according to the basic principles of the world without God and not according to Christ there's a big split there you have to have that understanding there is a worldly way of doing things there is a way that you can lose the love of the father you can you can discount the protection of God when you start acting like there's no difference between sacred and secular. And that's what this world is. We're, we're on the cusp of that right now. We're, we're right at the, the, the highest expression. If you go back to the book of Job, you'll see there that if we consult God in the natural there's a distinction between doing things like God wants them done and doing things like the world is calling you to do them. So here it is, Job 8.8. 8. It says, For inquire, please, of the previous generations. Those generations that have already come and gone. Look into them and consider what the fathers have searched out. There's people that have determined the things based on experience, based on age, based on wisdom. Verse 9 says, For we are but of yesterday. We just got here. And know nothing, for our days on the earth are but a shadow. Learning from generations, will they not teach you and tell you and utter words out of their understanding? Can papyrus 
Does paper grow where there's no marsh? The answer is no. Well, the, the, the whole, we, we just went to the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., and they showed us papyrus. It's, it's a plant that you, they used to use for paper. And there, the question here in Job 8, verse 9, verse 10, um, verse 11, sorry. Can papyrus grow where there is no marsh? The answer is no. Can reeds flourish where there's no water? The answer is no. In other words, you cannot flourish outside of your element. Let me ask you a question. Did God create you to be secular? So why are you thinking secular? Because it's done everything that we're being saturated to do. In the music, in the movies, in the songs people write, in, in every expression in life, in conversation. So you will not grow or thrive outside the element of the presence of your God. When you get in God and do everything according to God, you begin to flourish and to you, you express the beauty you were intended to express. And if you take God out of the equation, God, listen, God put a value on you the size of the death of his son. This world does not value you. It'll say that you're just a bunch of cells that came together. Let's get rid of it. They define a baby in the uterus as a bunch of cells. And God says, I have fashioned you wonderfully from your mother's womb. I've called you. So when you think about God, he gives value to all things. Without God, our husbands are idiots. Without God, our wives are just a irritation. Without God, our children are demons from hell. I was gathered with a couple lawyers last week, and on our break, a couple of them went to the corner and they were talking, and as they were talking, one of them says, I can't believe that my children are so twisted. I called my wife together and said, I can't believe that we created these pieces of crap as a result of our union. And I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I would have never thought a parent talk about his children in such a disrespectful, dishonorable, and vulgar manner. When I got saved, the Lord told me my children were prophets to this world. They were servants of the Lord. They were, they were his messengers. So you see, when you come into God's realm of existence, things take on greater value. Your husband is someone to respect. Your wife is someone to honor. And so we remove our secular mindset of subtracting God's existence to now God is real and now everything takes their rightful place. There's some people that disrespect the preachers. The preachers are a gift of God to our lives. It's supernatural. In the natural, they're a disturbance. In the supernatural, they're a blessing. You see God sanctify things in his purpose, and it talks about the absence of sacredness in our land. Again, verse 11, Job 8, 
Verse 11, can the papyrus grow in a mar where there's no marsh? The answer is no. Can reeds flourish where there's no water? The answer is no. While yet a flower, verse 12, while yet in flower and not cut down, they wither before any other plant. Verse 13, such are the plants of all who, such are the path of all who forget God. The hope of the godless shall perish. So is the path of those who live without God on the roadmap. Isn't it sad that we have become accustomed to living life without consideration to what God thinks? I've told men before, the only reason you do not like me is because I'm a constant reminder to you to what God says and thinks. And since you don't want to hear what God says and thinks, I have become an abomination to you. Because you're not looking for the sacred. You're not looking for the holy. You're looking for the worldly. You, want, you have a worldly mindset. You have been conformed to this world and not renewed your mind. So in this regard, we continue to read here in Job, verse 14, that person's life who cuts God off, his confidence is cut off also, and whose trust is spider webs. I finally found that, that verse that I needed because I said that my life before Jesus coming into my heart I believe Spider-Man lived it by my brain because there was just a bunch of spider webs. And the Bible says a man who doesn't have the confidence of God in his life, his life and what he puts his trust upon is a bunch of spider webs. What's that mean? It's not holding up. Anything brings it down. You're, you're weaving webs that just stand, uh, that will not stand the test of time. And sooner than later, you will see your ruin come about because your confidence is on the frailty of secular reasoning. Do you know what's happening to America right now? We are replacing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for a lot of secularized thinking. They have removed the Bible from the schoolhouse. They have removed prayer from the schoolhouse. They are now replacing us with everything God would not have us to learn and to reason. They have changed our history books. They have changed our math books. They have changed, uh, even the mathematicians of old were people that had faith through the roof. And God revealed to them the mathematical equations that run our universe. Without God, they would have never got there. There would be no wisdom in the thoughts of men that do not connect with God. There are just a bunch of spider webs outside of that reasoning verse 15 he leans against his house but it does not stand and you start putting these things together and i've seen it as a lawyer this is the most crazy thing that could happen to any man or woman the disintegration of their family and their home and their marriage because it was not built on the rock they did not make God part of their relationship. Going to church once a week does not make God part of your relationship. It's the day in, day out of grooming the presence of God in your family and marriage that holds it true. He who holds it fast, but it does not endure. And there's nothing more horrible than to see your life falling apart. God never intended that to happen 
if you follow his ways. Verse 16, he is a lush plant before the sun. His shoots spread over the garden. His roots intertwine the stone heap. He looks upon a house of stones. If he, verse 18, is destroyed from his place, then it will deny him, saying, I've never seen you. You didn't even come through here. Verse 19, behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of soils others will spring to be learned by a new generation. See, there's nothing more glorious than one generation deciding who they served, and then the following generation. Will you serve the God of your fathers? Or will you serve the God who called you out of the world? I had a choice to make. Um, my ancestors were all judges and senators and, and wealthy businessmen who came to zero. At the end of their life, everything disintegrated. Will I follow that or will I cause a new generation to arise? Romans chapter 1 verse 8. Because they did not retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a twisted mindset. 28. Romans 1, 28. What happens when you don't allow God to establish his ways in your thoughts and in your behavior and in your conversation? Even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind a reprobate mind to do the things which are not connecting, not fitting, not appropriate. God teaches you how to do life appropriate. It goes against the nature of selfishness. If you want to be selfish, you won't have the love of God in your life. And that's the, that's the, the, the atmosphere we live in right now. And to be able to hear those words makes this a glorious day. Because now you have a decision to make. Are you going to live secularly? Are you going to be humanist? Thinking like mere humans without the fear of God? The conversations you have, do they consider the ways of the Lord? Usually that will require a leader to come into your life. But recently a whole family left the church and I said, excuse me, time out. Do yourselves a favor. Invite Pastor Jules to your house. Invite his wife, Claudia. Invite Pastor Jose Rivera and Clara. Invite Jose Palma and Ceci. Invite Joey and Suleika. Invite Richie and Angie. Get clearance of what the godly counsel is for your family. They could not tolerate any pastoral counsel. They could not fit it into their mindset, their conversation, or pass down to their children. They're walking in their own wisdom. And so they don't have the blessing of someone who signals out the way of the Lord. Who's able to really take in all the facts, take in all the comments taken all the inventory and the weight of the affairs, and these men have been found approved to give you the counsel of God. Not what you want to hear, my friend, but what God wants you to hear. And so when Pastor Jules and Claudia went over there and they sat down and they said, you guys are out of order. And I, I think it was Claudia says, I will shake the dust off my 
dues. I don't want any part of what's going to happen to your family and to your future because you refuse to follow the counsel of God. You don't want, to, you don't want God to speak into your life. You don't want to, him to weigh the matters out to give you an answer. You'd rather not come to a pastor. You're, you're like the people of Israel who says, no, Moses, you go up there and talk to God. We're scared. You come down and bring us what God tells you. God, he brings down the Ten Commandments. He brings down the knowledge of God. And he says, because you did not want the knowledge of God, he will give you a debased mind. You will believe a lie. Because you did not tolerate the things that are fitting from God to do those things which are not fitting. If I were to give you a description of those things that are not fitting, it starts in verse 29. You will be filled with all unrighteousness. As soon as a demon hears that you're not going to do what God says, he goes like this. I love it. I love the fact that you don't tolerate God's protection and provision and purpose because every demon in hell will find a place to inhabit. When you're not letting light come in your life, what comes in? Darkness. You don't tolerate the mindset of God. You want to be secular in your reasoning. You want to be humanist in your philosophy. You will be filled with all unrighteousness. Look what closely follows unrighteousness. Sexual immorality. You won't know how to do the most holy thing that God has for you to bless your descendants. In sexual intimacy, you're going to be sexually twisted. Wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, envy murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers. Don't tell nobody. Those people that love the, the occult, don't tell nobody. You know why they don't tell nobody? They don't want to be rebuked. They don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be instructed. Verse 30. Without understanding. No, sorry, 30. Backbiters. Always arguing. Haters of God. Who would thought? Who would think that because now God has no part of your life, you become a hater of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. That was me. Always the discovery of things wicked. Disobedient to parents. What is all this? A list of the secular people. This is America. We have become a nation of everything unrighteous, everything evil, everything twisted. Why? Because we have decided not to be a nation under God anymore. We have decided not to pray, not to read the Bible, not to go to church, not to honor pastors. We have been totally humanistic in our philosophy. Verse 31 continues on to say, without understanding. You can't discern things. You're like, I can't believe this happened. Obviously it happened because you weren't thinking. You weren't able to tell the difference. Untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. These are the character attributes of the secularist. Verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God. 
they know what God says. They know what the balance is, that those who practice such things are deserving death. Not only do these things, but also applaud, approve, celebrate those who practice them. It seems the more ungodly, the more wicked, the more twisted, the more unlike God you become, the more the world stands up and applaud, stands up and celebrate. You go ahead, do it like God doesn't do it. And so we're talking about the call to sacredness in these matters. Verse 21 tells us clearly, because they knew God, but did not glorify him, they were not grateful. They weren't thankful. Thank you, Lord, for church. Thank you, Lord, for pastors. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the people of God. Thank you, God, for your commandments. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Thank you, God, when I rise in the evening and at the sun goes down, God is in the mix. He is our life. And our life is hidden in him. Whether you eat or drink, do it for the glory of God. Do all things. Like if God were ever present, it's the most glorious existence you'll live the rest of your life. If God's not in it, you shouldn't be either. If God has demarked out of bounds, get back in bounds. Get back in the place you belong. Let it define you. Let it correct you. Let it instruct you and your children. You won't regret it one day of your life. But they did not glorify him. They did not thank him, but became futile, humanistic, secular in their thoughts. Temporal. Secular means temporal life only. Forget about another life. They became foolish in their hearts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, they went around professing to be wise. They became fools. Why? Because fools say God doesn't care. God's not in it. There are certain places in our life, oh, God doesn't care about our finances. Yes, he do. Yes, he does. You better keep your eyes on what God says because that's where you're going to flourish and prosper. Everybody say amen. He has spoken about our finances. I was listening to a pastor last night. He says the Bible is full of do's and don'ts. And you better do everything the Bible says, and you better don't everything it says either. You better not involve things in your life that God is trying to get you out of them because you profess, oh, that's not going to happen to me. That's not going to be my case. They became fools, professing to be wise. Verse 23, and change the glory of God, of an incorruptible God into the image of of something made like corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Verse 24, when it, wherefore God gave them to an unclean spirit and lust in their hearts to do things dishonorable to their bodies amongst themselves. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. The created things more than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. Even their women did not did change the natural use into that which is unnatural. And verse 27, likewise, the men leaving the natural use of women burned in lust towards one another with men working 
that which is unseemingly and receiving the recompense of their error. What's that saying, people? It's saying that we should love the things God loves and hate the things he hates. Galatians 1.10 says, For now am I seeking the approval of men? What, what does it come down to? Do I think like the world or do I think like God? One of the young men here is working with Emilio Estefan. And he's writing some songs and they're recording some music. And Emilio says, man, you got to say some curse words in that music because that's the way the youth like it nowadays. He goes, well, that's not what I like. He says, you're an old man. He tells a young man who didn't want to curse in this music. And so we're being led by the highest expression of creativity and government and entertainment and all these things to do things in a corrupt mindset, unclean mindset. And so Paul says, do, I'm a, for, for do I now persuade men? Do I please men or do I please God? You know the answer, let's please God. Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be able to be a servant of Christ. If you want to go with the crowd in the direction that God is not ever present at all times, omnipresent, omniscient, knows all things, is in every place, isn't it powerful that there's some people that want to believe that God is locked out of certain issues and places? He says like this, brothers, I could not be a servant of Christ. Verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. You're not going to be able to have man's approval because this is not man's book. It's God's book. And to follow it makes you wise. And this is not a men's gospel according to man, verse 12, that I preach a gospel according to Christ, for I neither received it from a man, nor was I taught it by a man, but it came through Jesus Christ who has been revealed. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we wouldn't know the difference between right or wrong, secular or sacred. But the light of the world has come and he has shown brightly in our lives to distinguish those things that are of God and those things that are not of God continues on to say in verse 13 for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it before I began to think sacredly I was a destructive force what's that mean pastor that means the greatest wisdom you have outside of sacredness is a earthly mindset. What's, where is that? James 3.15, the wisdom that descendeth, a wisdom, this wisdom does not descend from above, but it comes from being earthly, sensual, and demonic. You can't, you know, you can pretend for a little while to say, okay, I'm going to keep God out of this. But that which becomes like natural becomes, well, this is the way I feel. And it ends up being demonic. Demons will come and take the territory where God is not Lord, where God is not present. You see darkness enveloping that existence. And that is where the next verse says, this mindset of doing things according to selfish existence leads to confusion and ex existence of every evil thing. So it's not just doing the sacred for sacred sake. 
they should call it sacred or satanic. Just take secular out of your language and say this is the satanic way of doing things. What are you talking about? Yeah, God's not there. God hasn't defined it. God hasn't instructed it. God has not corrected it. God has not spoken into it. You're living like demons want you to live because you have decided not to retain the knowledge of God. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above, another type of mindset is pure. It brings peace. It's gentle. It yields. It's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. This is the way God wants you to, to live. Verse 18, this fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You create the environment you live in. God has called us out of a secular mindset, a humanist mindset, so that we can live as his people in our thoughts, in our words, and in our ways. Let's stand this morning. And we thank God for his word. We thank God for a spring of life that continues to flow unfettered with anything that disturbs you from deciding who you will serve this day. Acts 3.19 says, repent. What for? So that times of refreshing might come. Repent and start living differently. That your sins might be blotted out and times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. October 24th becomes a day of reckoning. A day where we decide that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will walk in his ways, the God of Israel. We will keep his commandments. We will prosper, understanding that retaining the knowledge of God in our hearts, on our thoughts, and in our ways will lead to peace and will cause us to flourish and to be fruitful and to abound in the land. Father, we pray that every secular thought in our heart and in our mind would be removed and replaced with that which is sacred that we might honor the house of God the word of God the people of God and the man of God in Jesus name we pray and the house of God says amen amen and amen greet one another in the love of the Lord